You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour, let me first introduce you to my two lovely co-hosts. First, Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm doing great. It's Friday. It's the weekend. It's the weekend. Yeah, it's the it's the church worker weekend. We get the yeah. Friday off. Uh, how about you, Chelsea? How you doing today? It's Friday, and I work, but I'm I'm oh. good. <laughs> oh, sorry, Chelsea. Uh, oh, speaking of women working, let's talk about guilt. Let's talk mm. about parent oh, guilt. Gosh. Is that a good segue? <laughs> yeah, uh, Chelsea. Actually, I think this is actually a good uh, segue to what you do because I feel like you get a unique perspective on parent guilt. Because one of the more easy to judge stories that people tell each other are each other's birth stories. And since you're a labor and delivery nurse, I imagine you see people come in all the time with a birth plan that they are very proud of or where their expectations aren't met. Maybe they came in and they wanted to have a natural birth hanging from a ceiling fan and then they end up with a C-section or I, I don't know. What Do you ever see any parent guilt stuff coming in your door? Do I ever? Oh my goodness. All the time. Honestly, I feel like I, this is just anecdotal, but I feel like I note it more among Christians than among other other people, which is sad to say, but but true. But when Christians I deliver- love guilt. They love it. Love, we love guilt. They we love, love judgment. It, but they don't need to. No, we use guilt to manipulate other Christians. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's what we it's do. A, it's a disaster. But um Oh man, uh, one time I had this lady who's like, I mean, this happens all the time, like someone who's obviously in the worst pain of their life, but is like, no, I'm good, but I'm going to go unmedicated. I don't want an epidural. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, it doesn't matter to me. I'm happy for everybody to do absolutely whatever they want in the birth world, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's always interesting to like watch the husbands and like where they're at, if they're just trying to like support their wife or you know, sometimes they're very scared and just watching what's happening, you know. But it's unusual for a man to pressure his wife to go unmedicated. Oh. Um, or for an American man. That's very uncommon. But this guy was kind of doing this and like, uh, it was real strange. And then like when he was out of the room, I got a little more info about it. And it was that his sister had gone unmedicated for her birth and won't stop talking about it. Mm. And and really kind of like rubbing it in his wife's face and it's driving him nuts. So he wants his wife to prove to his sister that she is also tough. And Ugh. I was like, guys, everybody Gross. calm down. But also, why don't you just do whatever you want and like tell your sister that, yeah, your wife is freaking doing cartwheels and pushing babies out <laughs> and like, let it be your story. You don't have to tell anybody how this went down. And so I would I offer women in our church when I take care of them um, in labor, you can go back to church and tell people absolutely whatever you want. I don't care. I'm going to go <laughs> along with this story. Not, I'm not an actual advocate for lying, but it's just, it's disheartening when people are making their choices because of what everyone will think or what they think yeah. people will think. You well, know at least lying like, is actually worth feeling guilty over, right? You know, so <laughs> yes. like, you're just choosing the thing that's legit. Yes, but that's such a good example of like, why do we feel guilty based on whether we had a, a C-section or whether it was a birthing center, whether you're in the field with a goat or whether you're underwater. I mean, it's just such a, a judgment zone uh, that makes people feel like either you get a badge of honor because you did it the way that you wanted or the way that you thought is best, or you get this badge of shame that, uh-oh, don't tell anybody this is the way it worked out. And I feel like that's so prevalent in parenting. It's symbolic of control. I mean, like your birth plan is the first thing you're trying to control in parenting. And so yeah. it's like, I feel like we feel guilty whenever 
especially when it's like a man-made guilt, when it over, it's like our lack of control over a situation is on display for everyone to see. And so it's like, I don't know. It feels like guilt and control are very tied yeah. together. I and I mean, exactly maybe we right. can explore that some more when we talk about other things we feel guilty about. But I think with birth stories and also like how many of us care about how we were born now? Like I don't <laughs> ruminate on my mom's birth story. I don't, I, I don't even <laughs> think I know it. Yeah, right. I've never looked at somebody and said, oh, this guy's driving me nuts. I bet he was a C-section. Oh, you know? for sure. <laughs> the or, yeah, this, this girl looks formula fed, you know? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I try to make Gus feel guilty about being breached. It hasn't worked. But you know I'm what's like, funny though? Gus being breached, people that don't know what that means, that means he was uh, trying to get born feet first, right? Which is mm-hmm. not healthy for everybody. <laughs> but his whole life, everything he does is upside down and backwards. Every t-shirt, every pair of shorts, I oh, like I love that. It just makes sense. Yeah, the kid has not known which way's up from from day one, <laughs> and uh, and now I adore him for it. But uh, yeah, I try, you know, I'm I'm still waiting on an apology that I have not got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, today I want to talk about parent guilt. We talk about a lot on the show how we are all imperfect parents. Like every one of us, every one of our listeners, we are all imperfect parents, and I think that's a great place to start. Uh, parenting choices. And successes lead to either, like I mentioned, either a badge of honor, because I'm so proud. Because the the other end of this spectrum is parent pride, which maybe we'll do an episode at at some point on parent pride, where it's, well, I had my child the right way. I choose the right schools. You know, it's that parent pride is the other end, but parent guilt or, or parent shame is feeling like I did it wrong. So the questions of where does your kid go to school, whether or not they watch TV and how much they watch, uh, were they formula fed or are they nursing? How do they behave in public? Whether you as a parent work or you stay home, whether you got a C-section or not, are, are you doing enough as a parent? Or one of the guilty things, honestly, I struggle with sometimes are the genetics we've handed down to our kids. My Will my sons be bald at an early age? It really does. It really haunts me. Uh, but we feel guilty because we judge our performance or because we, we want to do good. And so there's some discussion we've got to have on like wanting to do good is not necessarily a bad thing, but feeling guilt or shame over things, how do we deal with that as a parent? You know, it comes from judgment and judging others as well as ourselves. But I want to start this episode with a little bit of scripture. Chelsea, I'd love to ask you, why is... Why is having a Romans 3.23 vision of parenting important for parents? That's a great question. I'm going to read it real quick uh, for anyone who doesn't know it. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that is true. We know that's true. We see evidence every day, right? But how sad if we stopped in verse 23. Verse 24, if you keep going. So it says, We fall short of the glory of God. And it goes on to say, And we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Um, so that's key there. It's not saying it's to be received by um, by works or by earning it or by being good enough. It's to be received by faith. So the two key words there is that it's it's a gift and it's received by faith. And so it is our constant reality that we're falling short. It's not that we can avoid guilt by doing a perfect job. Mm-hmm. We can we can avoid guilt by rejecting it mm-hmm. in the name of Christ because of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will never be able to avoid it by not making any mistakes because the Bible says we're going, we are going to make them. We all fall short. And so guilt can be paralyzing in parenting. And it's just not what God wants for us. So that, I mean, that's really why it's important. 
that is not God's best for us, um, to be debilitated by our guilt, feel crippled by it. He wants us to feel the joy and freedom of knowing that we're forgiven and um, and that we have an important opportunity to, to steward our children and to disciple our families. But the Lord doesn't want to see us enslaved. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I think that's a nine minute episode. I think that Chelsea just really, <laughs> like we can talk about it, but like we just need to come back to this, the very first point, because that's so good. Well, uh, Cassie, help us make an important distinction here because some of the stuff I mentioned that we feel guilty about is not sin. Mm. It, it's it's difference of opinion sometimes. It's uh, decisions we've made that maybe we regret. But what's the difference between being hard on yourself for not being a better parent and uh, the difference between that and sinning in omission or commission that requires repentance. I mean, this almost makes me want to go and like do an inventory of all the things I've ever felt guilty of and like kind of categorize them into like man-made guilt or things that I feel guilty about because of social pressure or fear yeah. of man and things I feel guilty about because I've sinned, I've sinned against my husband, my spouse, or sorry, my children. Um, my husband is my spouse to be clear, but <laughs> just, I was hoping you'd not clarify that. People. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that to help really discern, like, what is it I feel most guilty about? You know, like kind of do the heart work of like, Am I most consistently feeling guilty over man-made things and like fear of what others will think? Or do, you know, or is there some sin that really needs to be brought into the light that I need to repent of that I maybe feel guilty about? I need to walk in freedom and faith in my parenting in that way. And so, um, I don't know. I think that ask yourself if you feel guilty about something, do I feel guilty about this because scripture says something about this? Or do I feel guilty because someone else or my own perceptions or ideas are condemning, you know, condemning myself? And it's just such a distraction from what we're called to do, if that's the case. Like we're so caught up in what others think or our own expectations that we're like missing out on the joy of parenting because we are so afraid of regretting a decision that we made or, or what others might think about the decision that we made. And it's not, I mean, I'm, I think I'm making it sound easier than it is, but I think that maybe that's a place to start is to help just distinguish yeah. between the two. Well, I think one of the words you use there, uh, condemning, we don't want a parent to feel condemned for a parental choice they're making. They, we do want a parent to feel conviction yeah, over right. choices they've made right or wrong. We, That's good. There's not a drive in us, or nor do we see in the Lord, where he looks at us and goes, that wasn't the perfect version of whatever, fill in the blank. But then he goes, no, there's, there's condemnation for you in Jesus Christ. Actually, we have verses quite to the opposite. But there is conviction in the Holy Spirit to do things in a way that honors the Lord. And there are convictions too that we can have personally that don't have to align perfectly with every other family if it's not something that's a matter of sin, right? Mm -hmm. So let me give you a follow-up, Cassie. It, we feel guilty sometimes when we think something we did was wrong. Is there such a thing as right and wrong in Christian parenting? Uh, well, yes, because there's such a thing as right and wrong in life and parenting right. is so much similar to life. I mean, we are not you know, scripture says very clearly not to be a stumbling block to a child. Um, and so I think there are things that we can do that we do that are very much wrong in our parenting, that we uh, need to listen and be discerning to the the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life to show us and point us to how we repent and how we walk uprightly in those areas. I do think also there's a lot of gray areas when it comes to 
it starts honestly, like we talked about at the beginning, it starts with birth and then with different parenting styles, whether you're nursing or formula feeding, or if you're sleep training or attachment parenting. I mean, I'm, I'm so out of that world now that we don't have babies. I don't even know what other new methods there are, yeah. but we have to give Christian parents a lot of charity towards one another that we have to believe. I have to believe the Griffins are doing what they believe is best for their house and their decisions might be different from mine. And that doesn't mean I need to project what they've decided onto my family and then feel guilty or vice versa. I don't need to project what we've decided is right onto you guys and then make you feel guilty for what you've decided or have internal judgment. And so that's where I think we waste a lot of time as Christian parents is getting caught up in those worlds. And that's on, that's everywhere you look. That's in, you know, mom circles at mops or women's Bible class. It's online on Instagram and Twitter. It's, I mean, it's pretty pervasive. And so I think we need to caution ourselves against that type of guilt and maybe spend more time thinking about what is scripture clearly lined out for us as, as what is right and wrong and what we are, how we are to act um, and raise our children. Yeah, Chelsea, talk to me about that. What role does comparison play in developing parent guilt for people? Well, I'll say, kind of to summarize what Cassie just said, if, if you are comparing yourself with the holiness of Christ, and finding that you come up short. And so you feel grief or you feel sorrow. You feel a desire to repent or to change or be different. That is one thing. If you find out that there's a mom that makes a treasure chest full of mementos for each grade level that her kid is in (laughs) in a scrapbook, and it literally makes you feel guilty inside, then I... Sister, I want to set you free from that. You don't have to do that. And actually, you're you're even more free than that. You're actually free to celebrate that somebody else finds joy in doing that. You know, I have no desire to make a scrapbook whatsoever. But we would we would be worshiping a very petty God if God was mad at me for that. I just don't think he is. He made me the way he made me on purpose. And we never want to use that as an excuse for sin, but where something is is neutral and is just a personality thing or um, the way somebody is wired and it incites guilt in you or in me, then I have to ask myself, where am I looking for acceptance? Am I believing right now that I am fully accepted in Christ? Because I am. But then in moments, we all have moments where we look and we see somebody doing something that seems better than what we're doing. And so we esteem them as better. Y'all, that's not biblical. Um, yeah. we have equal dignity and value and worth, and we have mm. so much freedom to parent, to live the life that God has for you. And so if the comparison though is like Cassie talked about, if it's what we see on Instagram, if it's the mommy talk at the park that makes us feel like we're not doing enough, um, we really need to lay that before the Lord. And again, you know, sometimes there's a legit conviction if someone's talking about the way they disciple their kid and I feel conviction mm-hmm. that I have neglected some of my duties or I've wasted some time that could have been better spent, I might feel genuine sorrow. And that's that's a fine thing to say, wow, that, that conversation led me to conviction and led me to repentance. That's fine. That's great. But if I'm constantly looking to others and I'm feeling guilty for that, that is not of the Lord. And the other problem with that is, is that, it doesn't get better by the other side of that saying, I compared myself to this person and I'm actually doing more. I'm actually right. doing it the right way. I'm actually doing better. So like it's a, it, it, that is a lose-lose every time. Yeah. 
if you get to a point where you're going, I'm doing, I'm doing things so right that God is accepting me because of my works or looking away from the Lord altogether and hoping I'm accepted because of my works by other people. Uh, man, we have so much disappointment in store for yeah. us. Adam, what do dads feel guilty for stuff? I've, I mean, it's like the mom <laughs> guilt. I think we are, moms are really hard on themselves and we yeah. will manufacture guilt for all sorts of crazy things. I mean, I'd love to hear you just talk about dad guilt. Is there like daddy play dates where you're like, you leave and like, oh, I can't believe my sons don't have Converse or I don't yeah. know. Like, what is the thing? Well, I think one of the things you touched down early in this episode, Cassie, is that one of the roots of guilt is control. I think of one of the other roots of guilt is insecurity. And I think mom guilt tends to, although I would never want to put people in like a, a generalization category, mom's guilt ends up being a lot of self-judging, self-torment because of self-insecurity. And men, when they get together and they talk about parenting or how good their kid is or is not at sports or how good their kid is or is not at music or academics, there's a ton of manhood insecurity that manifests in kind of a woe is me, what did I do? And and historically has resulted in a lot of abuses of kids because they haven't met their dad's expectations. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of dad's uh, reputation that is on the line with their yeah. kid. So the kid doesn't behave the way they're supposed to. The biggest problem for a lot of men is how it reflects on the father. If a, if a kid is not uh, achieving in sports, then the biggest concern for the dad is how it reflects on the father. And those are typical manifestations for what I would say in, in women, it tends to move towards kind of a, a comparative judgment. For us, it's more like an insecurity manifesting in anger or manifesting in a different form of judgment. But yeah, dads feel guilt all the time. Adam, do you see a difference between grief over sin and then the guilt, kind of what you're just talking about, guilt over unmet expectations? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think uh, one thing too, Chelsea brought up that I think is worth mentioning that made me, made me think of this. Uh, I've had a talk with one of Chelsea's dear friends that said she can't listen to podcasts like this or read books on parenting because she just feels too guilty. Like it feels like an accusation to her to read what good parenting could look like instead of a help. And so if anybody's listening to this right now and going, you know, I've, I've tried an episode of this podcast, can you handle it? Let me set you free the way Chelsea did to say, we're not, we're not calling you to the carpet saying, here's, here's the problem with you and we've got it nailed, but rather that we're all imperfect parents. Now, I do believe, like Cassie's asking, that there is a difference between what the Bible calls a godly grief over sin, like Chelsea mentioned earlier, a sorrow when what I have done has betrayed the Lord that I follow, when what I have done has been treason against my King Jesus Christ, where what I have done is sin that I have been called out out, either in related to this conversation in coveting, which is one of the top 10 commandments, right? Like thou shalt not covet what the neighbor's doing as a wife, husband, uh, what they own. Now that's a big part of parenting guilt is the conviction over uh, coveting. But there's also sin that we see in parenting that we should repent over. And it is normal part of being a Christian to feel godly grief over sin, to want things to be different, as opposed to worldly sorrow that says, I wish this hadn't happened because now I've got to face this consequence, which is a different, uh, different thing altogether. And so if there's guilt or shame, maybe is even a better word, over unmet expectations in your kid or in yourself. You look at yourself and you say, I'm not doing enough as a parent. Or look at your kid and you say, they reflect poorly on me. Or your kid, you're, you find yourself wishing your kid was different than they are instead of loving the kid you've got. And it's driven by some kind of weird internally focused guilt. I think truly what parents would find out 
is that that's driven by this idea that everybody's looking at your kid and making assumptions about you, when in reality, most people are doing the same thing. They're thinking about themselves. And if we could instead be set free by the, by the idea the Lord gives us of, of dying to ourselves, of denying ourselves as a parent to say, the, the kid the Lord gave me with all of his or her problems, with all of his or her strengths, with all of his or her idiosyncrasies is not a punishment on me. It's not a reflection on me as a parent if we're not talking about sin. It's just the kid I've got. And it's okay to love the kid you've got for who they are. And it's okay to make pairing choices within a spectrum of orthodox choices and not feel bad that, uh, again, the badge of honor. Some of us are so proud that our kid goes to a public school. And some parents are ashamed. They're like, oh, we can't afford private school. Some of us are so proud that our kid is in homeschool. And some of us are ashamed, like, yeah, my kid doesn't get to do that because of, listen to me, we don't as parents have to drive each other nuts by comparing ourselves to one another or some hypothetical perfect version of yourself. And it's not fair to your kid. And it's, it's hard to be a kid. It's not fair to your kid for you to compare them to some other kid or some other parent. And at the same time, I do believe there are parenting choices that need to be made where things can get better. And there's sin in the life of a parent that needs to be repented of and grieved. Chelsea, I, th- I want to turn to you for a second because I think you're so good at this. When there is a parent that recognizes either they are, they're tormenting themselves over their decisions or they recognize sin in their own life that has driven them to kind of a self-deprecating attitude of guilt and shame. How can moms and dads preach the gospel to themselves when it comes to their parenting shortcomings? Yeah, we, we have an opportunity really to do this every day. But where we're faced with parent guilt, uh, whether it's legit guilt over sin or kind of a, a guilt that's based on comparison or whatever, anything that reminds you of your inadequacy is an invitation to be reminded that Christ was completely adequate on your behalf. Amen. Every time you feel that, um, that desire to be perfect or to be better than someone else, we can just fall at the feet of Christ and be reminded that he was perfect on our behalf, perfectly obedient on my behalf. So the perfection that I desire in my life has been accomplished by Christ. And so I do not have to accomplish it for myself. It's too hard. I know it's too hard because we've all tried it and we end up feeling really um, either sorry for ourselves, jealous of somebody else who seems to be closer to it. It just leads to constant disappointment. But when we are reminded in any way of our inadequacy, especially the way parenting does, that is an invitation to just glorify God for being perfect on our behalf, for loving us and knowing that we are fully accepted. And if we nailed the parenting thing, that is not where our acceptance would come from. Right. And if we we failed terribly as a parent, we would not lose the grace and mercy of God because it was not based on that. So if we're looking for that to be some sort of foundation, our performance giving us either the approval of others or the approval of God, um, both of those are false gospels and need to be rejected. And so praise God when you feel inadequate, when you feel like Mm. you made a big mistake, you can be reminded right in that moment, Jesus was perfect on my behalf. He lived a perfect life for me as a substitute so that I could gain entrance into the Father's presence and a delightful entrance that God welcomes me into his presence, that he loves me. And it was never about my performance. Praise God. Praise God. I'd also just love to recommend making up your own like playlist for parent failures. (laughs) 
I have like, I have some songs that I run to in those moments. The God, I look to you song mm. and the, I need thee, Lord, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Like there, I feel like there's just songs sometimes I just need to hear and be reminded of my dependence and just songs that remind me that I wasn't made to do this on my own and that mm-hmm. it's okay to put like my neediness on display. It's good for my kids to see that I need Jesus. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Music for me is a, is a respite in those moments. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrim's Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. I want to follow up with that, what you were just talking about, Chelsea, too, because I know we've had conversations about this, how it kind of drives you nuts when people give platitudes as help in that moment instead of real help, where the example might be if a woman's saying, I feel ugly, and her friends just go, no, you're beautiful. Or if somebody feels like, no, I'm a bad, I'm not good at parenting, and they go, no, you're a good parent. And I yeah. get the good intention there. But what, doesn't that reinforce the idea that like, you know, you, you do need to build your identity on whether or not you're beautiful. I'm just telling you are. You do need to build your identity on whether you're a good parent. I'm just telling you you are, so feel better about yourself. Yeah. What's the difference between those platitudes and the way we actually want to address uh, our shortcomings? Yeah, we, we absolutely are called to build others up with edifying words and encouraging words. And so where we see good things going on, there's nothing wrong with encouraging it. But uh, if y'all have read that book, Gospel Fluency, so helpful, so, so helpful to think about in conversations like this where you hear this person that is is suffering on some level when they're saying, I just feel like I'm a terrible mom. It is so tempting to say, no, you're the best mom. You're Oh, you're such a good mom. You're a better mom than me. But the greatest longing in their heart right there is to be comforted by the gospel because yeah. they're What's more true, because they might really be a great mom, but what's more true is that even if they're a bad mom, they're loved. Yeah. 
and they're forgiven and they're accepted. And so it might be true that they're a great mom. But at the same time, what we're kind of building up in our friend or our sister in that moment is that like, oh, if you ever do anything really bad, like you don't want to come tell me because see, I'm convinced that you're a really good mom. Mm. So it's not safe, you know, but instead I want to make them feel even safer rather than saying, no, 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 be comforted in your goodness. I want them to be comforted in in God's mercy to say, God has never loved you because you're a good mom. He's loved you because you're his. Yeah. And because he's loved you, he's called you into a certain kind of parenting, which is okay, but he hasn't condemned you because of your inability. It's actually why he sent his son to redeem every version of parenting there has been. Everything broken in your kids that maybe you you regret or blame yourself for, every decision you compare to other parents, the Lord has set us free from that. Cassie, we're talking a little bit about what people around you say. Can you talk to us for just a minute about the role that community can play in addressing parent guilt, about having friends on the same page? Yeah. First, I just want to talk about how I think that this topic is something that's really helpful with our unbelieving friends who are parents to point them to the gospel. So I think it's a really, we, I had several opportunities with my neighbor during the pandemic where it was just hard. Parenting was really hard. There were like virtual school, all of the things. And it was such a great opportunity to be like, we are not, we were not meant to do this alone without the help of God and his wisdom and his Holy Spirit. And so I just think there's a lot of, I mean, parents who are not believers also experience this. And so for uh, for them to have a believing friend that they can feel free to talk about that with and not feel like we are going to condemn them or shame them. I just think it's an opportunity. If you're a parent and you're looking for opportunities to share the gospel with other unbelieving parents, maybe just to consider, and that gospel fluency book is a great resource, but consider ways that God might use this topic to like reach the hearts of some of your unbelieving friends. But what role does community play? Yeah, I mean, we, we're to give each other the courage to do this. And so like uh, what Chelsea was saying, it's just like when we're with our friends and our sisters and brothers in Christ and we are feeling guilty, we have the opportunity to give courage to one another to um, to do what is right, to do hard things, to ask for forgiveness where we need to ask for forgiveness, to repent where we need to repent, but also to be given the hope of the gospel. And so I think that, I mean, it's helpful for us to have maybe even, and we have not, I have not actually played this out in our own walk with friendships, but I'm I'm thinking how great it would be for us to have like liturgies for one another when we're struggling. I mean, I know that every moment Holy Book probably has some great prayers uh, for things like this, but just that we would have common phrases that we can use to like trigger and remind each other of the gospel in the midst of a really hard parenting day. And it's just so great. I know for me, I have a, a text that's going with friends of school moms, some moms from church that I know if I'm having a hard day, a hard mom day, and I'm really coming under the weight of shame and condemnation for something I've done, or sometimes it's just working, right? Like just a long day. I mean, I think it was Monday. We had like worked all day Sunday with membership class on Saturday. And then Monday we had worship and prayer. And I just felt like I've been gone from my kids a lot. And I just kind of was falling under the weight of that, mm-hmm. um, not being around my kids. And like, how is that going to affect our relationship long-term? And I just start believing, like snowballing these lies. And in that moment, I need men and women around me to say, no, 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 no. This is just a couple days and look how God can redeem this and just not only give me courage and the gospel truth, but even help me with ideas of how to incorporate my kids into the things that are keeping me busy. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but no, w- it does. wait a minute. You're a working mom. Oh, <laughs> ew. <laughs> well, uh, can I talk about that for a second? I know this wasn't really part of the plan. It's a but sensitive you, topic, man. Do you women ever feel like you face 
judgment either internally or externally because you guys work outside the home? Has that ever happened to you, Cassie? This sounds crazy. Yeah. I mean, it has happened. (laughs) I am grateful for, there is a community of us. I'm grateful for the Chelsea Griffins. And I have a lot of women like Chelsea in my life that are working moms and that are, we're just doing our best. I also grew up with a working mom, which I think relieves a lot of that guilt internally. Like I don't, always feel, you know, because her, she and I have a great relationship. And so I don't have this fear that in 20 years, I'm going to be filled with regret because my kids are distant from me because I worked or something like that. Because I have this great relationship with my mom who worked to kind of look to and be reminded that it's possible. But yeah, I do. Every once in a while, you kind of get that like uh, that look or like mm. kind of underhanded comment. My, my favorite thing is when people find out you work as a mom, they need to know exactly how much you work. And oh. so they'll ask like, they'll ask just like really specific questions about my schedule in like kind of a really subtle way. So they, but they just, they need to know exactly how many hours I'm neglecting my family or how many hours <laughs> I'm, I'm away from my children. And sometimes they seem really intrigued, like, but like, it, don't you feel guilty? You know, they're, I feel like they're waiting for me to say it. But similar to you, Cassie, you know, I grew up with a working mom and my mom's a nurse and her mom is a nurse and I'm a Mm. nurse and um, I am in no way ashamed of that legacy of taking care of people in the community. And I think my boys see it and I hope it reinforces a couple things for them that I hope are helpful. I hope they don't feel neglected by it, but love, love being a nurse. And this goes back to charity, like having charity for one another. Like not, some moms have to work. It's just not even an option. Like we live in a city that's getting more and more expensive and both parents are having to work just to make ends meet potentially. And so it's not, you know, for Chelsea, I think, you know, you, you're working, you love your job. I love my job. It's a vocational calling for me to work, but that's not the case for every working mom. And so I think we just need to not even project that as like, well, it's okay to work if you're called or if right. you love your job. It's like some some women work just because they have to and they maybe don't love their job and they're really struggling because they would love to stay home, yeah. but they don't get That's to. Hard. And the gospel's for them too. And that, yeah. you know, God's provision and what God is going to, how God is going to take care of their family and their kids, despite that workload that the mom has to carry, it's there. And so I think, we just need to, again, have a lot of charity. And it's a beautiful thing when women are able to stay home or choose to stay home because they want to and and nurture their kids. But I am convinced if I was a stay-at-home mom, I would actually have more to feel guilty about hmm. uh, because I would uh, my sin would be even more on display for my kids. But I'm also convinced that absence makes the heart go fonder. So I really love missing my kids during the day and then coming home to them. Yeah, And I want to acknowledge too, there are... I know some stay-at-home dads, some dads who've, you know, stayed home while their wife works. And I know that there are some churches, some very large churches in our community that theologically would think, even me as a lead pastor, having a wife who works full-time, I could not work at their church because they theologically would think I'm not leading my home well then. And there are men who they would say, if you're, if you're staying at home and your wife is working, then you're not leading your family well. That's not where I land. Mm-mm. But I think we're in a uniquely Christian stream of judgment where we want to take what we, uh, not just what the Bible says, but we we believe what it implies based on our own life situation and say, therefore this. And I think you're wise to bring up not only the mom who has to work, but the single mom too, the single mom, the single dad. Yeah. 
you know, we have a, we know some single dads, we know some single moms. It's not ever been a choice for them. Uh, they felt like they had to do something different. But even that connects to what you were talking about earlier, Cassie, about community. That's why I love that God gave us the family of God. Yeah, yeah. That if somebody is feeling financially strapped so they can't do everything they want to with their family, then then let's talk about what it looks like to lean into your community to the other people around you. If they're if they're making a choice that they believe is actually sinful, if you see somebody in a group that's like, I've chosen work over my kids, or somebody who's not managing their household well and they're in ministry, which are obviously things the Lord has spoken against, then let's address it like any sin we would address. We, we didn't really schedule to talk about Matthew 18 on this episode, but Matthew 18 is such an important aspect of what it means mm-hmm. to be a Christian, which while we are not called to People love to quote the scripture about judge not lest ye be judged, but they don't love to read the scriptures talk about judging those who are inside the church, which is Mm -hmm. the job of the church member, not just a church elder or a church Mm -hmm. pastor. But your role as a member of biblical community is if you see something concerning that you believe is actually sin, then it would be unloving for you not to bring that up with somebody in your community. Now, if you see something that is a choice you disagree with, man, have a charitable conversation about it. That's fine. But don't treat it like it's on the same level as disobedience to God. And I think that's, that's an important aspect. One other resource I want to mention too, if listening to this podcast about family discipleship, about Christian parenting, has made you feel kind of guilty and conviction or listen, reading parenting books has made you feel guilty, maybe it's time to set those down for a second and read a book like Gentle and Lowly about the way the Lord feels for those That's who good. are suffering right now. And it's a beautiful book about how, how lowly our God is, how he loves to bear the burdens of those who follow him, how he is gentle with those who are hurting near to the brokenhearted, how he does not crush the bruised reed. And so if you're in kind of a season where you feel like you are the bruised reed, like it is really, really hard, then it might be time to sit down and and remind yourself uh, some of the stuff Chelsea was saying about what the gospel is and how it applies to you. Uh, Speaking of which, Chelsea, I think a scripture that's worth bringing up real quick. Christ talks about how we need to be anxious about nothing. We, We don't need to be anxious about anything. How does that relate to our conversations about parenting guilt? Well, I think it it calls us out and uh, calls us away from what we're doing that is robbing us of joy, what's robbing us of freedom, and is meant to set us free. So again, when we see the way Jesus interacts with people, that he is, he is humble and he is gentle and he, he is so tender with people, even in the midst of their sin. So this commandment from him to not be anxious about anything, if you struggle with with anxiety, this is not Jesus yelling at you saying, why why are you so anxious? Stop being the way you are, or I'm so tired of your struggle. He is so gently inviting you to lay your worries down and to surrender your fears and to say, I promise my burden is light. You can come to me when you're weary. He, yeah, he is so gentle. So, so accept his invitation to lay down your anxieties and to, to lay down the guilt because it's not from him. And if it's not from him, don't take it. Um, if it's from the world, you don't need it. And uh, so Jesus is just so tender and so kind to invite us into a life like that. That's great. I, and the podcast specifically, I know we're talking a lot about a Christian parenting issue, but specifically when it comes to family discipleship, Cassie, could you talk about where do you see moms and dads potentially feeling guilty around discipling their families? Well, I mean, I imagine there's guilt. I know, well, I can speak from personal experience. There's guilt when we're inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and that feels like 
I mean, that's probably true for even the believer who's not a parent yet or won't be a parent. Like there's inconsistencies in just the human life, right? We will have you know, start a good habit or a discipline and then something interrupts it and we kind of get off course or whatever. And so similarly with family discipleship, I think there can be a lot of guilt around inconsistency or just abdicating maybe that responsibility. And so I think that again, where there is conviction to start something or to get back on course. And that is a good thing, but not to like wear it as, um, I don't know, just this badge of shame. I think about what Matt said on uh, with our interview with Matt Chandler about how he would go back to his kids and be like, hey, do you remember that moment? And he'd go to apologize to them for it. Like he's been wearing it and feeling guilty about it. And they are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, dad. So yeah. we tend to like blow things up in our minds as something more meaningful than maybe it was. And then carry anxiety around how that's going to affect our kids or guilt around the long-term trajectory that set our, our family or our children on rather than really just laying it at the feet of the cross and saying, okay, like that's done. And all I can do from here is my best, you know, in the grace of God with those new mercies every day and just, you know, pray that our children can recover from whatever the mistakes are that we've made. Yeah. That's good. I want to end with this. Chelsea, if if you had a man or woman or a couple and they got a chance to sit down with you this weekend and they said, man, we, we're just struggling with parent guilt. We just cannot get over it. What would you counsel them to do? What next steps? What scriptures are you sending them to? Or or what uh, concepts are you reminding them to believe? The the same things we've been talking about, that, that your acceptance is accepted from you by faith, right? It is a gift. It is the gift of God given to us because of the sacrifice of Christ. And so I think it'd be really important to try to figure out what is it that we feel so guilty about and why do we feel so guilty? A lot of times it's the fear that whatever we did is going to have this unbelievable impact on our on our kid that God's grace cannot overcome, that God cannot redeem it or that he won't redeem it either to punish us or or because that's just the harsh consequences. But we have to put our hope in God and be reminded that he can redeem anything. And don't we all know people who have had abusive past or suffered trauma as a child that are functioning and thriving and walking yeah. with God and uh, nothing is the end of the world, you know? And so really trying to just pull out well, what is it that makes you feel so guilty and, and why does it make you feel so guilty? And so surrendering those fears that we have about our children um, and to continue to lay those down before the Lord and to say, these are my fears, but you've called me out of fear. So just please take it from me, God, take it from me and let me just hold my head up high. Not because I'm better than anybody else, but because I'm loved and I'm accepted. I think also like we need to celebrate it when they're coming to us with that, like celebrate their vulnerability and asking for help, but also like Amen. encourage parents who, if you're feeling guilty over something that is truly kind of taken over your heart or your home, whether it's your anger, if it's workaholism, if it's something that is really hard and scary to bring into the light, let us just encourage you that the gospel meets you in that and that bringing it into the light, you know, the light has overcome the darkness. And so don't let it fester and don't be afraid yeah. of the consequences because it's God's kindness that will lead us to repentance. And I believe that in bringing that to the light, I have gone through a very dark season of anger 
in my home that I remember thinking, I just kept thinking it was after our third child was born. And I kept thinking, well, this will get better once I'm sleeping through the night, or this will get better once I'm done nursing her. This will get better. And I just kept thinking it was going to get better uh, with the circumstances changing. But the truth was that that anger was coming from so far deep down into my heart that the only way it was going to get better is if I brought that into light and sought help. And so I remember the day I confessed it in a staff meeting to like all of these people around me and uh, how scary it felt, but how right it felt and good it felt to just put it out there. And then the help that was offered to me in the coming weeks and months was just so critical for finding healing from that. And I still struggle with anger. I'm not like completely free from that, but I don't live under the fear of like what people will think if I confess that. And so I just want to encourage our parents that if there is something they're feeling guilty about that is maybe conviction that's kind of now grown into like this shame and guilt and condemnation because they haven't brought it into the light. To do that with someone you feel safe with, to go to your pastor or that's your good. community or just anyone and ask for help. And there's a lot of versions of this that are good opportunities for you to process with your kids. Depending on the age of your kids and the situation you're talking about, this is another opportunity to model for your kids how mom and dad are not perfect either. And we're trying to raise them to be moms and dads, men and women one day, who will also be imperfect and in need of a savior. And while we're not proud of our imperfections, we do want to show our kids how to process them in ways that are saturated with the gospel and in ways that are built on repentance. And if, they're, if it's because we feel some kind of peer pressure or some kind of community pressure or comparison within us that we are uh, showing them how that has robbed mom and dad of joy and how we don't want that for them any more than we want it for us. So this is a huge, I mean, this entire episode is all about family discipleship modeling as much as it is about family discipleship choices we're making. And there's a chance to be the man and woman of God we want our kids to be one day, which is not necessarily perfect, but it's a trajectory towards sanctification that is rooted in grace and faith. Well, if you want to join the conversation with us, you can find the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. Thanks for listening. And if you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast and share this episode with one of your friends. 